0: You are listening to the Kinetic Man Podcast. I'm Stuart. And I'm David. And we want to walk with you on the journey to living a life defined by uncommon action that is full of purpose, adventure, and meaningful relationships. Our goal is to refine our why while helping you find yours and together achieve our best and highest purpose. In the end, we'll drive each other to leave the potential life behind and
1: become Kinetic Men. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Stu. Hey, have you ever had an idea for the Kinetic Man Podcast? We want to hear from you. We're always dreaming up ways to make this podcast more valuable for our listeners. So we want to hear what you've loved and what you want to hear more of so we can make future episodes even better. Go to thekineticman.com slash survey to help us make the podcast even better. And listen, if you, if you do this before the end of October, you will automatically be entered to win a $100 gift card. Take the survey today at thekineticman.com slash survey and be entered to win thank you for being a, an amazing listener see you all right steve healy the man of myth the legend haven't seen you in a while it's good to see you brother good to be on man good to see you i think the last time i remember uh hanging out with you was in san diego and we were we were running bleachers <laughs> uh and doing some like track workout like that just totally kicked our butt uh, yeah. It was you uh Mike Silver, uh, Scott Darren, a couple other buddies, you know, that were in our uh, helicopter squadron. And uh we were just like smoking think, each other.
2: I think, candidly, that's the last time I've ever done any kind of track slash bleach workout.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Stu
0: is right there with you. And I, and I have to ask, uh, Steve, because I wasn't obviously hanging out with you guys, but I knew Stu from, you know, we were roommates at the academy. and. I saw his physical prowess then and now and I'm just curious like how who who of you was carrying him up the stairs
2: Uh it was a group effort we just had, you yeah. know he tag teamed it you know it kind of yeah. off depends on who needed to do Nah something.
1: dude man I'm the, I've been getting back in the gym man I've been you doing that, some Yeah you feel good. good squats it's tough, it's tough and north
2: some of, north of 40 keep that jawline you know you got to you got
1: to do work you got it, man. You got to, yeah, but you
0: have that beautiful beard, man. Like people should definitely watch this episode, not listen to it. Cause that's a beautiful beard. Very nicely uh, crafted. That's i uh, I'm a little bit jelly. I'm, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I'm jelly.
2: I'm sure, I'm sure we're going to get into it, but I, I was, you know, Academy guy, military 10 and a half years. It was just, you shave. That's what you do. And um, when my wife, my late wife, Nick was going through cancer treatment. Um, one of the last things she was had to do was have this surgery uh, and it was two surgeries. They're going to be about 13 weeks apart. And I did the, you know, the whole like NHL, like playoff thing where you like grow a beard, like in the, cause I was like, this is the final, this is, what we're going to do this. So I grew a beard. And then the day of her second surgery, I shaved it all off. And my whole family was like, you, you look better with a beard, like less face is good. <laughs> that's so, funny. Oh, that's cool. I had to
1: grow it. Right back. You got, you got a little, you got some gray coming in here, buddy. It's distinguished. It's
0: distinguished. That's good, man. I love it. I love it.
1: Well, uh hey, for for our audience, let's, let's get into it. Let's uh, get a little background. You know, you kind of hit on a little bit, but who is Steve Healy? Um, you know, w- what did you do and what do you do now?
2: Sure. Uh so, born raised Pittsburgh area, oldest of three boys. Um, since I was like like 4 or 5 years old, I saw the first rendition of Top Gun and I was like I'm going to do that. Um and, and got to pursue that, went to the academy, uh, graduated there. My senior year, I met um,
1: my
2: my wife, Nicole, and uh, we got married in late 2003. We married for 18 and a half years, had three beautiful children. Uh, one's a sophomore in college now, one's a, in the 11th grade, and then my, my son is uh, in middle school, just started that. So um, I had a beautiful marriage, first 10 years of it, it was military, felt like God was calling me out of that. Got to fly with you, Stu, uh, in San Diego out there and uh, stepped out of that. Really wasn't sure what life was going to look like out of that. I just knew I I, I wanted to spend more time with spe- specifically my children. Um, really, connect- I, I did the math. We had our first child very early on in our marriage and she was uh, eight years old at the time and I had 10 years to go. And you guys know what how crazy and busy we were. In those days in the military with deployment, even when you were supposed to be resting, you really weren't. And I wasn't spending a lot of time at home. So I did the math and I was like, hey, I do this for 10 more years. If I do that, my daughter's going to be graduating high school. I won't have much of a relationship with her at that point. So I made the hard jump and got out. Wasn't sure what that was going to look like. Uh, And actually was back in Baltimore, Maryland, kind of doing a little headhunting thing. And a church we were connected with that my wife's family helped plant in 2000 was experiencing some crazy growth at the time. And uh, they were looking for someone to come on and just kind of establish policy procedure systems as an officer in the military. That's what we do. So I took a gig uh, here and was the executive director for a couple of years at Lighthouse Church, just outside Baltimore, Maryland, Um, went back to school and um, actually was set in as the executive pastor in 2016. I've been doing that ever since. Right. Right transitioning to, you know, what happened with our family and probably what we're going to talk about mostly here. Uh, it was in right around 2016, 17, my wife started dealing with some pretty nasty health issues. Couldn't really get a beat on what it was because she was young, fit, beautiful. Um, and she would go see doctors and kind of got dismissed a lot. But finally in 2019, we had a doctor, uh, refer her to a specialist. And unfortunately what we found out in October, October, 2019, uh, she had stage three rectal cancer um so obviously cancer sucks and um you know the fact that she had rectal cancer she was like this is about as embarrassing as it gets um to to deal with this and we were in a very public place um as part of some of us on the teaching and preaching team at this church it's a larger church um several thousand people attend here um you know we had we knew that she wasn't going to be able to fight this In private and uh so she made a difficult decision of being very public in her fight um with cancer and as a result of that her sharing and her candor uh in all of it the the funny parts the hard parts the 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 good parts the the bad parts um it really created this organic swell of, of followership and um that continued until uh, a man who works at the local uh, Christian radio station in Baltimore contacted us and said, hey, I want to follow your story um, as to what's happening here. And he followed her for a year um, and released a 10-part podcast on that. Um, that was, that's was that been very, very popular. And actually, the last episode released uh, just 12 hours before Nikki passed away. Nikki passed away on June 14th, 2022 in our home. Um, and there's a lot that led into that and really just how we got to that place. But, um, following her passing, uh, actually, uh, I've just tried to carry the mantle that she laid down because I, I really didn't want to say, you know, okay, this is over now. Cancer, uh, took my wife and what I've, I've tried as best I could to just continue and carry her mantle on of being raw and real about what it's like after loss, after losing your person of 18 and a half years, what leading's like when you take a really, really, really hard loss, um, leading yourself, leading your family, leading a church, large church. And, you know, when your faith gets rocked. So 15 months now removed from that. Um, and just kind of just walking it out day by day. So that's, you know, the, that's the wave tops of I guess twenty years.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. I, I uh I was just telling you before before we started hitting the record button, I I listened uh to that whole series, uh kind of when it was coming out and my wife and I uh you know secretly kind of followed, you know, followed Nikki and followed you along along that journey. Um, and I was, I was re-listening to it to kind of in preparation for this podcast, this recording. Um, I also told you that I'm probably not going to, I'm going to try not to cry on this episode and I'm already starting to feel choked up. Uh, but, uh, I, I told my wife yesterday, I was like, "I, I can't continue to listen to this, uh, because like it, I just get choked up every time I listen to it. And what what I think is amazing is that first decision that you and, and Nikki made um to be public about it and to be vulnerable about it, right? And and like to open up and uh share your story. Cause I think a lot of times people have a story that it's worth sharing and they choose not to. Um and I think it's such a disservice to not only themselves, but also to everyone else who it could possibly help. And for, for you guys, for you and Nikki, like, I know for a fact, I mean, just, just for me alone, like just the story and, uh, the, you know, the, the hard times, the good times, everything that you guys went through sharing that publicly, man, like I, I know for a fact, it made an impact on so many people. Um, and you know, you won't know that until you get to heaven. You know, she knows that now that she's in heaven, um you know from the people that she's impacted there uh but you know I, i'm curious just what what was it like how did you kind of go through that process and decision making of deciding to to go this route of like you know being so public about it and, and going on that journey you know uh with a lot of people
2: yeah i you know I don't want to sound overly noble um, because there was a real candid discussion that we had once it was discovered what was wrong with Nick um, in our bedroom. And it was a, you know, she was, she was having a really, really hard time with it. It was, it was a very color. She was using some colorful language in the, in saying, you know, I, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe and saying, I can't even, it's not even an option for us to keep this private again, due to the due to the platform that we we found our, ourselves in but very quickly nick decided okay if i'm going to if i'm in this position i i i didn't choose to be here but i'm going to do something about it and i'm going to be my she said i i only know how to be me and i'm going to be me in this i'm not going to be the overly christianese person and just you know and say all the things i'm going to be real and i i think in her real and rawness it gave her a real it gave her a a strength that that was that was that came from her faith and, and what was built on and what we learned through that process what we did out of ignorance at first became very apparent to us what 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 scripture says says you overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb the accomplished work of christ and the word of your testimony and loving your life not to death there's power in your testimony there's power in sharing what you're going through and what you're enduring um in doing it well um so that others that are that you can glean from those that are further down the track than you and certainly those that are coming behind you can can glean from that's that's kind of i believe what i've learned one of the things i've learned through this process is that's really truly our responsibility is to be storytellers um to learn from those that came before us and then to pass it on to people along the way.
0: Yeah, Steve, you know, and, and I love, uh, so I love the honesty, right? Because there's, there it's multifaceted. And so, you know, one of the things that I, that I found to be, just so powerful is, and very helpful is the honesty of that journey and the ability to, you know, cause now, you know, I think about our podcast, right. And and I'm, I'm thinking through things that I want to start incorporating in ours at the end of every podcast to say, Hey, and like name my kids and tell them I love them. Right. So that into perpetuity, they have this thing that is recorded forever and they can then revisit it and hear their dad's voice saying, man, get a little teary too, uh, hear how much they love them, but your kids also have that. They have these two seasons, I think it was season three and four, um, on the podcast and, and, uh, they, they have all this history, but there's also the reality, you know, I, I was listening to a, a sermon on prayer recently, actually, I'm still listening to it. And it talks about, if you want to see how to pray to God, look at the Psalms. And, and one of the points he says, he's like, the prayers to God are not, uh, two thirds of them are lamentations. They're not these flowery, like, Oh God, you're so, they're like, God, where are you? Where are you? Right. And, and a lot of them, two thirds of these Psalms are so powerful because they're just like raw. And and I love how you highlight, you know, she, you know, Nick wanted to be, she wanted to be her because that's who she knows how to be. That's who God created her to be. But I think there's such a liberty in your in the listeners to the podcast and the people who know your story that are like, dude, my faith doesn't have to look like, well, it's God's will that I have this. That's not faith, man. Like, And I'm not saying it's not faith. I'm sorry. That That's just not the expression that God always desires us to come to him with. Like he wants us to bring that realness and that rawness. And you gave people permission, whether you know it or not, you gave people permission to be like, this is okay. This is okay.
2: It's okay to have colorful language, right? 100%. I mean, the reason not to get preachy, but I'm a pastor and that's what I got to do. So, I mean, the, the God's chosen people, the nation of Israel The name Israel, it comes from God renamed Jacob Israel. He renamed him and he renamed him that. And it means to wrestle with God. Like he gave him that name after he wrestled with God. So for Nick, for me, it's been, it's, you know, you can wrestle you can wrestle with the deep things of faith If in that God's big enough for you to, I mean, he's big enough. He will, don't let go of the nail scarred hands hold holding on to you. He will, he will give you space to wrestle with him on the deep things. Um, so when she did that, it gave, it gave people, I think it gave people just a real, like, it was a breath of fresh air almost to say, okay, I can, I can have faith and still have questions.
0: Yeah. And and I'll tell you one, one other point to that is, you know, my dad was somebody who battled cancer multiple times on a deploy. I was on deployment the first time. uh, And then the, you know, he battled it later and, and he never, he did it in private. Like he had this weird, and he's from Mexico, Mexican macho, like a lot of cultural things there. But what I will tell you is by not, by choosing to, and if people are, and I I just say this to any listeners who are, are, who may be going through something, it doesn't help your family and it doesn't help those around you to do it uh, in in silence, right? To, to go through it alone because people want to be part of it. They want to feed into you. They want to pour into you. They want to love on you. And, and the silent part of it, the, the private part of it uh, is not always, it's not the, the, necessarily the way that uh, you want to leave that with your family, right? Or or that you want to leave that with those around you. And there's an opportunity in the suffering to truly be able to pour into and, and even lead others in a way that you just can't even anticipate.
2: Yeah. 100%. And I would, I would say to, to anyone enduring, like you don't have, you don't have to be like do what Nick did, do what I did and put everything on blast. I mean, but there are that whole idea that not everyone gets access to everything. They don't have to, you, you, that's not incumbent upon you, but there are people, everybody, not everybody gets access to everything, but s- somebody's got to get access to you and and those closest to you, they got to know where you're at. They got to know what you're de- enduring. They got to know you're battling because they want to help the one, they want to help. And it's part of their process too. If they don't know where you're at and you have, can't have a kind of conversation with them. It's it can, it can be at their detriment as well. They they just so it is that it's finding that nuance of like okay I, I don't want to be a public person but I also can't be so private that I don't let anybody in.
1: So this brings me kind of to a, a question that um, that gets asked a lot uh, to me as I'm you know talking to people about you know my faith and you know specifically talking to people that might not be a believer. Or they're exploring, Um, and you know that that long series podcast they hit a lot on two Corinthians and two Corinthians twelve nine. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in my weakness. Mm -hmm. Um, And the question is to people that might not be believing is like, why do bad things happen to good people? Mm -hmm. So you know, in your case, like why, why does cancer to an amazing woman? Your bride happen, and right. why does it why does it happen to good people, and how can you explain that to someone who might be on the fence about you know believing in our God?
2: That's, Let's go, that, pastor.
1: Let's go, pastor.
2: Yeah. So, so the short answer is I don't know, but here mm-hmm. here's what I can speak to because I I don't I don't fully, I can't fully wrap my mind around an all knowing, all seeing, all powerful God. For me, I came to my faith in my early twenties. Okay. Then for, from between the age of like 20 to 30, I would consider myself, you know, a, a marginal Christian. I went to church on Sunday, you know, I took my family on Sunday, but very quickly I was like, Hey, is this guy wrapping up the sermon? Because I'm on the West coast and the Steelers play East coast time and the game's at 10 and I need to get home. Cause my, DVR. Right. you know, so, and then, so there there's that. And then yeah, I did devos. I spent like 10, 15 minutes a day, and pre- but I didn't spend a lot of time wrestling. I, there's things that are going on. There's work life. There's there's home life. There's and it's good. They're they're important things you got to deal with. All right, then fast forward to the time that not now I'm you know between thirty and forty. I'm in ministry. I work at a church. At the end of the day, I still have I still have a, I had a wife. I still had kids. I still have responsibilities. I still had bills. Do I really think, in the ten minutes to one hour to three hours that I spend. Exploring the deep things of God, that I'm going to fully wrap my mind around, in all-knowing, all-seeing, eternal being. When I've 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 walked this out for what a few decades in, in, a, in a limited amount of time in that decade. So I I don't I don't know why he does what he does and why he allows me. I know that there's sin. I know we live in a broken world. I know I know there's a, the bad things do happen to good people, and I wish it didn't happen. But I do know this. My hope. Is not here. I'm passing through. I'm going somewhere else. I'm going to the celestial city, there where there will be a where there will be no tear, there will no be no pain, no suffering. So I wrestled real, real hard, man. When when Nick got sick, and I, you know, we were believing, and we were and we were being prophesied over and told, hey, she's going to win this. It's going to be incredible, and she didn't, and she died, and it was a hard, it was a hard death. It it was not. She went quietly and easy. She was in a lot of pain and a lot of suffering in the end. And honestly, when she finally did pass away, my first thought was, thank you, Lord, you took her because she was she was in so much pain. I was actually relieved when 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 she took her last breath and I said goodbye to her. Fast forward, um, you know, about four months before she passed away, when we got the scan, that was really, really bad. It said the cancer had exploded. Um, it was our practice every year to go to a beach in North Carolina as a family. And that was going to be her 40th birthday um, in June. And she was in a real bad place. And she said, hey, I'm not even going to be able to make our beach vacation. I'm not going to make my 40th birthday. We told her, hey, book the vacation, babe. It's going to be something you're going to look forward to. Get let, Let's do it. Well, Nikki passes away a week prior to her 40th birthday. But we still have this beach house. And I wasn't going to go. And I was not going to go. I was not in a place to do it. I had just done her funeral. I was you know, really, I wasn't convinced I could be alone. But Nick wrote me a letter. And, you know, she wrote a lot. She wrote stacks and stacks of letters. And she wrote me a letter and she said, please go to the beach. Please go to the beach. You need to rest. You need to get clear. You need to wrestle with God. Go be with my kids. Um, and I did. And I went to that beach and I spent hours every morning on that beach by myself. With my Bible, with worship music, crying, and asking that question, why, why, God? You, I mean, there was, there was a following. There was, there was thousands of people that were watching this, and there were, there were, there were, we were getting texts literally globally. Like I'm getting, I'm getting texts and emails from service members and stuff. I knew that were in, were in Europe and in Asia. People that were following the podcast because again, we're in a military town, we're in between Baltimore and Annapolis. So our church, you know, there's a lot of military come here and they would go to, we're hearing people in in Seoul, South Korea that are sharing it on their base. I'm like, Lord, the world was watching this. The world was watching this. You could have shown up and showed off. So many would have come. And he took me to a portion of scripture during my time there, man, when I I was reading about the mighty men of God. And it's one of those portions of scripture where it's just a list where you kind of just, you know, it's, it's one of those where you just kind of bruise it. Like, okay, blah, 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 you just kind of go real it. faster. Yeah. You're like, all right. I don't even know these guys. Well, it ends with the last guy he names is Uriah the Hittite. And I'm like, Uriah the Hittite was one of David's mighty men. Uriah the Hittite, his wife was Bathsheba. The one that David slept with, had an affair with had a, had an illegitimate child with, that ultimately David, to cover it up, sends him to war with his own death certificate in hand to give to the general that says, hey, when the fighting is the, the, the strongest, step back from this man so that he perishes. And God showed me that this man, Uriah the Hittite, who was faithful, who was good, who was loyal, who was caring, loving, was a mighty man for the king. His last moment, his last moment, when he is fighting for the king, what was going through Uriah the Hittite's mind when he turns and sees that all his boys had backed away from him and had abandoned him and he dies? He had to, in that moment, think, what is this? Total betrayal. What's up, God? (laughs) Betrayed. I mean, he, his wife cheated on him, like all the worst things to this good, good man. Then God takes me to another portion of the scripture that said, David was faithful in all matters of the law, all, it's a very intentional word in all matters of the law, except for the matter of Uriah the Hittite. The whole purpose of Uriah's life, the whole purpose was for him to live a life that said, we need a better David. We need a better mm-hmm. David. David was great, but we needed that better David. That's why I sent my son. That's why mm-hmm. I said Jesus. And God told me on that beach, Steve, this story is not about Nick. This story is not about you. This is the story of the redemptive work that I'm going, that I'm doing. The tapestry that is being laid out over millennia of which you are a part of. That you will, you, and you're going to walk. In glory with me it's gonna be beautiful but babe don't think you're gonna wrap your mind around this don't think you're gonna wrap your mind around this that same afternoon I got a DM on Facebook and this lady reached out to me and she said you don't know me we've never met I never met your wife but I was made aware of from a friend of a friend of your story and I've been following and my father had cancer and he was not a believer. He was angry at God. He asked a lot of why questions and we struggled for years as to how to reach him because we knew this was terminal. We knew it was, it was going to, it was going to take him. And we were concerned about where his ultimate destination was going to be out of desperation. We shared your wife's story with my father. And we said, Hey dad, would you please listen to this? Would you please listen to this person and how they're wrestling? And she said, my father has now gone home. He's passed away. But before he passed away, he professed Christ as his Lord and Savior, in a large part because the way he saw your wife wrestling. And my family is very, very comforted by the fact of that. So I'm so sorry for your loss. And I cried. I cried on that beach because... Heaven because the way my wife walked it out, heaven was populated by at least one more person. And that's how I've reconciled very long answer to your question. Why do good things, why do bad things happen to good people? We got to be very, 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 very careful as Christians to throw around Romans 8, 28 said God works all things together for the good of those who love him called according to his purpose. To say that and put that on a coffee mug or a bumper bumper sticker can be rude, offensive, and hurtful for someone that's enduring a really hard time. We got to be real careful how we come alongside somebody and give them that. But it is true. It's 100% true. He does work all things together. We just won't understand it on this side. Most of it. Hmm.
1: Dude, that is uh, powerful, man. Super powerful.
0: Yeah. And I, I appreciate you sharing that, man. And, you know, I think so many people, and, and it's crazy that it, the the courage of that woman to reach out to you. As Stu mentioned earlier, man, there there's gonna be who who knows the untold thousands that are gonna be in heaven because of the story that they heard, right? And, and that is such a powerful, powerful testimony. And man, you know, it it reminds me. I was just listening to this series uh, about prayer from John Mark Comer, and um, you know, it's a four part series. Series, and for those of you that that, that want to listen to it, it's in his uh um it's in his podcast, and it it's back in 2022. And one of the sections is unanswered prayer, and, and the part that really hit me, and he talked, he talks very uh, beautifully about unanswered prayers, and and gives you know very biblical reasons why things you know again limited by our understanding of this of this God, this Almighty God, but one of the things that really stuck with me is he mentioned the story of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? And he mentioned what they said to Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar was like, hey, I'm going to put you in the stove, right? I'm going I'm I'm to crisp you up. And and their response was, my God can save us from this. And we will never bow to you or your gods. But even if he chooses not to save us, even if he chooses not to, we will remain faithful. And I was like, oh, because I, I, didn't, I didn't read it that way previously. Yeah. I read it differently. I didn't read it in the context of unanswered prayer and even addressing unanswered prayer from the from the beginning, right? And they didn't know they were going to be saved from that. Right. But they said straight up, even if he chooses not to, because he's God, yeah, if he chooses not to, we are still going this path with full confidence, hope, and faith. Yeah. And it yeah. really was uh is very impactful and your story and the way that you just frame that i think more people need to hear because that's not we, we try to simplify god and put him in this black and white box if you're almighty then you will answer my prayer no he's not a genie in a bottle this isn't a story of aladdin this is a story of an almighty god who right. as in, in and in the, the the vision of the tapestry dude i just i love how we're just a string in that right we're just a piece of that but to his glory um and and What I also want to emphasize that comes out so clearly, it's not as a Christian, God never promises an easy life, actually contrary, but the part that's amazing is you, you still, as a, as a believer, you specifically, you still suffer, you hurt, you question, you have anger, but the thing that, that outweighs all of that is hope, right? Right. It's hope. And you can say goodbye to a wife of 18 years before her 40th birthday and and, and say something like, man, I'm thankful that she's home. Yeah. That's a big difference, I think, between having and not having that faith. And, and, I, and I think more people need to hear that as Christians, we're not, we don't, I don't expect to have an easy life, nor do I think it'll be pain free. That's not what it's about. It's about the fact that I have a love, joy, peace, patient, kindness. I have all these things that can overcome all of the things that are trying to pull down 100 so i really appreciate you sharing that
2: yeah well i mean and our struggle isn't it isn't you know unique to our time frame i mean we might feel that way but i mean this is why i got this massive sleeve tattoo after my wife passed as a reminder because this is what the apostle paul he wrote to the church of corinth he said hey guys i know this is hard but at the end of the day do know the resurrection happened and because of that, because of that, there will be a day, there will be a day come when the when the mortal will put on immortality, that the perishable will put on the imperishable. And that old saying will ring true, death wears your sting. So stand firm in your faith, plant your back foot, man. This is going to be hard. Jesus said, and you said it there, though in this world, you'll have trouble. He doesn't say if, he says you will, I have overcome the world. Like you got to plant your back foot and think, all right, Lord, I'm passing through. Now, I love that he gives us the space to still be mad about that, get angry about it, rail against it, be confused by it. Um, He's not draconian. He's not he's not an angry God. He's a loving, good, good father that pastors us through it. Um, But. You're right. It is. It's the hope. The, the, the question I tell everyone to resolve, they're like, how do you, you have to resolve one question in your life and that's it. That's it. The only question you need to resolve is whether or not you believe that tomb was empty. That's it. That's the only thing you got to resolve in your life. And then everything else trickles down from there because he's either, I think it's C.S. Lewis who said he's either Lord, lunatic or liar. That's all he gives you. That, those Those are essentially the three, the three options you get. He's either, he lied. He's not who he said he was. He's a complete madman. Or he's Lord. And that all gets resolved by whether or not you think that tomb's empty or not. Because if the tomb's empty, that's, tr- that's, that's game, set, match. If it's not, as the Apostle Paul says, we're, we're to be pitied more than anyone. Because mm-hmm. we should be out there in revelry and, and having all kinds of... So everything kind of trickles down from there, man. So you're 100% right. It's, it's this idea that I got to hope. And it's it's not going to be found here. I should enjoy here. I should enjoy my children. I should enjoy my wife. I should steward everything that I got really, 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 really well. Because what I do down here does affect up there. Um, but I ain't staying here.
0: Yeah, dude, I've used that so many times. Sorry to answer question, but I've used that That's so right. many times. Is is when people talk about you know faith? It's not it's not me. It's not the choice I gave. It's a choice Jesus gives. Right? You have no option to say, oh, he was a great teacher and that's it. Like the, he he says, I am the son of God. So you only have, and he didn't mince his words. The only way to the father is through me, right? Like he doesn't mince his words. So we can't mince the interpretation. You cannot say, and you have to look at it. Like if I said it, if I said, David Gutierrez said, I am the son of God. Well, you have a choice. You're like, dude, that dude's crazy. Right. Or wow. He's the son of God. I believe in it. Or he's just a pure liar. Like that is all you're left with. So I, I love that you brought that up because, because I use that all the time. I'm like, Hey, you don't have an option. I'm not trying to be rude about it. You just have no option. The dude said, he's the son of God. Like what do you do with that? You got three 100
1: percent Hey, you know, this reminds me of, um, you know, David and I were in a place about two years ago, maybe two and a half years ago when we were kind of in this transition period from leaving the military and and going to civilian world trying to figure out like you know what we're going to do with the rest of our life you know kind of that second chapter uh we had built our real estate businesses uh and we were we were we were hustling man we were grinding you know we were burning the candle at both ends and you know we we said we were doing it for the family you know we said we were doing it for all these right reasons but then when we took a like a we took like a hard look at it like our actions weren't really matching our words, right? Like we weren't paying attention to our family. We weren't you know, having relationships with our God. We were unhealthy, uh, you know, because we were so focused on making money and building wealth and the work and the job and, you know, providing. And we got to this place, like we had this aha moment of like, what, what are we doing? Like, what's this all for? Right. And, and, and that's, where we kind of got to starting, you know, the kinetic man mastermind of like inviting men into our lives that we're going to help us essentially and help each other get to this place of like, let's get back to what's most important in our life. Right. Right. And let's, let's act on the priorities that we say are our priorities. And one of the exercises that we put ourselves through, and then now we put uh, other men in the group through is, is just this idea of Um, you know, you've probably heard it before, like this idea of like, Hey, you just found out you have 90 days to live, right? Like, what are you going to do with those 90 days? And, you know, in your story, that was kind of a reality. Right. Um, and, and so I'm curious, you know, hearing from someone who has actually gone through that, not yourself, but from, you know, from Nikki, like, what did you do? Like, how did your priorities change if they, if they changed, um, you know, I, I, I'm hoping that we can kind of give our listeners like a little bit of insight onto like what what is the priority, you know? Yeah, yeah. I I
2: think I have to be glib, but I think the priority is there's so few priorities. I mean, yeah. I remember, I remember, <laughs> I remember like two or three weeks before Nick got diagnosed, like we had a we had a minivan and we found out it needed like fifteen hundred dollars worth of work, and I was like. All jammed up, all jammed up about like this $1,500 bill. I'm a pastor. I'm like, where am I going to get the money? Like this, the worst thing, like the world was caving in. The minute that doctor walked into that office and said, Mr. Healy, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but your wife has a nine centimeter tumor and I know it's cancer. Everything stopped. Everything stopped. Like what was important became crystal clear. important. And what wasn't has just gone away. So I'll tell you four years removed from that conversation, that conversation happened on October 2nd, 2019. That's when the doctor came in and said Nick had cancer. Um, Not, not to be trite, but there's so much that I just don't care about anymore. There's just so much stuff that used to get me so jammed up or so turned around or so fired up The senior pastor that um, he 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 passed away in 2017 of our church of due to cancer. He was 73. I used to watch him, man, in in, in those days, in those early days of me coming on church work and me run. And he'd always be like, "Hey, hey, man, cool your jets!" Like just he that he he would just cool your jet. He would I'd get all fired up. He would laugh. He'd be like, "Man, you're you're really passionate about that." It was just this perspective of just. You know Jesus was never in a rush. Just go easy, man. Just just go easy, buddy. Like not everything has to be a ten. Like some things matter for me. What mattered was loving my wife well. Jesus said, "Love your wife," as he loved the church. He died for his church. That became priority one. I am going to do everything in my power to take care of this woman. A man who does not take care of his family is worse than an unbeliever. That's Timothy. I gotta love these kids. I got I I have to shepherd these little hearts and to the best way, give them a lot of space, give them a lot of space to just war and wrestle and not come down hard and and give them guardrails and make them feel like, hey, dad, dad, I can be real with dad. I have to provide. I have to do what I got to do to keep food on table, house over table. and, And my job is to provide safety, stability and security to my family. That's that's and everything else is marginal. Everything else is I'm just not good enough. I don't have enough capacity, capability or or competency than that like that little bit to, that I can steward. Well, I need to surround people in my life that can help help me in those regards, because I, I cannot be all things to all people. I'm going to need a lot of help. But really, that's my lane, man. That's my lane. My, th- those four, That's my first church. That's what I've got to take care of. And that's all I got the competency for, and that sickness and ultimately her passing has has proven that true.
1: Yeah, dude, I, I love it, man. Um, yeah, that's 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 spot on, dude. You're spot on.
0: Um, when there's comfort in that, right? There like, is. I have found a ton of comfort in just not caring about a lot of things. <laughs> like I just, my life is completely transformed, and and the things I care about. And then I allow in, and I'm glad you said that because one of the questions that the last question I want to ask you, um, and, and I think it's directly related, is during the podcast, one of the things that just stuck out to me. Um, I probably an unintended uh my mind went to an unintended place, but but the uh what is his name David. I forgot. I, I apologize, I forget his name. I think it's David, but he he asked you a question. He he asked the, the point of his question was um in the decisions that you're making since since uh Nick's passing. Are you finding that there's support or not support in those? Questions? I don't know if you remember this question, but be basically in your answer was like, yeah, it's interesting because sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't. And And where my mind went was it went to this place of who do we allow to speak into our life, right? Like who do we, because I feel like, especially us as men, we allow way too many voices, way too much noise, way too much we give permission to too many things to speak into our lives. and part of the just not caring anymore is also cutting that out, right? Like I just don't value what you your opinion or your like or your whatever of me anymore and 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 the comfort in that. and so i'm I'm just curious my question is, you know since you have this different perspective and and since you've had the challenge of working through you know your decisions and some being supported some not and and, and that's going to continue on and i envision as you you're a young uh, strapping handsome young man right and and so there are going to be very real life things like like future love interests and moving moving past these significant events into continuing to live uh live your life and move forward and all the challenges there with with the kids, with the family, all these things are going to be challenged. And so I'm just curious from that perspective and for our listeners, before we have to experience something you know, catastrophic and, and life-changing and life-altering, to be able to take control of what we allow in and who to speak into, and that drives our decision-making process, how do you do that now? And have you had to like legitimately be like, you know what? I love you. But I ain't hearing it.
2: Yeah. What I've what I've learned through this process. It wasn't anything that I read, or I literally had to walk through this. Is essentially I would put it this way: there's there's the wide gate and there's the narrow gate about who gets in. First, for wide gate, I want to know: are you are you invested in me or are you interested in me? Those are two very different things. You can be interested in my story and having an opinion on it, but are you invested in me? Are you, are you, do you want to see me do well here? Are you in my life? Are you, are you genuinely concerned? So that's going to, that's going to, a wide swath of people are going to fall out real quick because they're just interested. They just want to, I mean, hey, it's, it's, it's good TV, man. It's a good story. So I'm going to, I'm going to watch it and I'm going to have an opinion about it. But outside of me watching it, I don't really think about it. That's different than the group that's literally invested in you. They're, they're pouring in you. They're spending time with you. Okay. So then I got to deal with, all right, is this person, all right, they're invested in me. Now I'm up against a decision. Are you looking to protect me? Or are you looking to possess me? That, that that That's the narrow gate, right? That is, hey, you disagree with my decision and you, you're, but you're, you want to own something. That's not you for you to own. Like I, I appreciate your opinion, but don't try to manipulate me because this is what you would do in a situation versus are you looking at this from my lens and hey, I just want you to see it from this angle to protect like I'm with the people go, hey, I'm with you ride or die. I love you. I trust you. I can't imagine being in the situation that you're in. I, I support your decision, but I just want you to think about it, bud, from this. Just think of this angle here. I just want to make sure you see this clearly. I'll receive that because I know I got blind spots and I know I got things that I'm missing and I'm I'm moving real fast and I'm making a lot of decisions real time. And a lot of times I'm losing altitude, airspeed and options real quick. So I I, I need people to to invest in me and tell me what I'm doing and what I'm missing and I'm seeing. That said, that's a narrow group of people that are invested in me and they're looking to protect me. They're mm-hmm. not just interested, nor are they trying to possess me. That, that That's how. And with that, that becomes a very, very, very small group of people. That when they speak, you have my full ear intention, and I've given them that too. I've I, mm-hmm. I, I've given them permission. I've said, "Listen, I need you to speak into my life." So mm-hmm. so because a lot of people, I, and I had to learn that because a lot of times I was making decisions. People were, were after the fact saying, "Yeah, I wanted to say something," and I had to tell them, "Why didn't you?" <laughs> like that's you're my that's why you're my close friend. That's why you're my boy. That's why if you saw something, help me, help a brother from now on. Um, so giving people the, the authority, and then you got to just be humble enough to listen to them because they can pull that card on you and say, Hey, listen, you told me that I could speak into your life and that's what I'm doing right now. So I at least want you to take a second and receive it, process it, pray over it and see if there's any truth in it.
0: Dude, I, I love the way you frame that. That, that is awesome. I love the way you frame that. And I think if we did that more often, the truth that would fill our hearts and our minds would be so vastly different than the garbage that. That we allow in uh because i see so many people and, and, and i you know i do one-on-one coaching and, and a lot of the questions i ask is like hey man like why do you care what that person even like in all honesty explain to me why you care what that person says thinks or does like in, in, in just be genuine i just want i'm curious i don't know i don't know that person and oftentimes it's like i i don't i really don't awesome then why are they impacting Anything, thought process, decisions, life. Uh so I love, I love that filter that you applied, dude. That that is that's dope, man. I, 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 if we all did that and then honestly did the the last part too, like honestly sought. Hey, um, like Stu is in my life, he's a guy that I've given permission. And, and and it's everything from like I call him out husband, all the time. To, <laughs> yeah, right. It's 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 everything from being a husband to like, hey, dude, do you think I should like buy this car? Like it, it, it's it's all of it. Right and and he has permission to speak into that and and so dude that's awesome man I love it thank you for sharing that
2: for so many for so many years um, I didn't do it right I cared way too much about what people thought um, you know and that was in the military in war in ward rooms and and you know you you are your ego you are your reputation so you know that that's just kind of the, the dark side of being a military officer being a type A guy dealt with that a lot when i took the uniform off i had a lot of identity in that and then i cared a lot of what people thought about that and it was like it was seasoned men that came alongside me like you said that you just said hey do, to your point what you're doing you care way too much about way too many people you need you need to have a few people that that you really really trust and you're surrounded with your inner circle and run them through a real 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 type filter and let them pull your punk card when 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 you are a punk um, but outside of that, man, you're wasting a lot of bandwidth because then if you do that, it affects literally every other aspect of your life. You're a worse husband, you're a worse father, you're a worse business person. You're wor- you're just, you're just, you're miserable because you're worried about what people think all the time. So that took some tough, tough, <laughs> I was I was in that gym for a long time working that lesson. Out. <laughs>
1: well, Hey, with, with a few minutes left, uh, let's, let's get to, uh, the best is yet to come. I'll, I want you to kind of tell tell the story behind it. Uh, what's it all about? And, um, you know, how people uh, can get their hands on it.
2: Uh, yeah. So um, literally on that beach vacation um, that we went on after Nick's past, one of the things that I was really struggling with was um, the fact that my wife through her fight and really just what she experienced, she, I would just sit and watch her write and and process and glean. And I just, she was just wise beyond her years. She was just really, really, God really. And that was just due to the fact that she spent hours and hours and hours in his presence. And she got she got downloads. And um, when she passed away, I, I I just was, I had this righteous indignation like, Lord, all that wisdom, all that stuff you put in her, that's now going to be relegated to memory. And over time, it's going to be lost. And even I'm going to forget these memories. It's not... It's not OK. So what was born out of me was I'm going to I'm going to write it down. I'm going to write down these things that I watched my wife walk through um, and what I believe was her wisdom, what she taught me. So, so many people are asking upon within the first few weeks and passing of Nick's passing, how are you doing? How are you processing? What's what is going on? Just organically, I started sharing what I was processing and it became this weekly thing where every Monday I would put out, Hey, what she taught me, I would put out a, a lesson really what I was working through and what Jesus was revealing to me um, through remembering my late wife and really tying it to a biblical narrative. And what, and really that was born out of me just going over all of her journals, all of her letters and all the like just all these, these memories. So what just started happening is I ended up, <laughs> writing a devotional over the course of the uh, of the year. It was 52 lessons of what she taught me and this devotional that um I that I've written it, it's different than any devotional I I've, I've done in the past. Usually most devotionals you do it's it's you know it's a portion of scripture, it's a story and then it's a prayer. You spend your quiet time and then you kind of go off, you come back the next day, different lesson, different story. This one you sit in a subject for an entire week. So the way I have it laid out is you you on monday read through that concept hey this is what you're going to be working through on tuesday you read through the biblical narrative and or scriptures that support it and the prayer that okay lord we're going to do work today we're going to do work this week through this concept then wednesday through friday you i can say that you do the work you, you there's each day there's five questions you can answer one you can answer five but there. are the first Wednesday, it's a self-assessment. You sit there and say, okay, based on this concept, where am I at right now with this? If I was get real honest with myself, do I apply it? Do I not apply it? Where, where are there seams and gaps? Thursday, five questions, which is a battle plan. All right, I've done the assessment. If I was to address it, how do I address it? How do I resource it? Who do I need to bring into my life to, to help me with it? Friday, it's five questions of, okay, removing excuses. You you've You've done the assessment. You've done the battle plan. Are you going to do it? And then Saturday is a charge that's, that says, all right, take a step, do something. today, take a baby step towards doing that. And then Sunday is rest and reflect. It's just a prayer and say, Lord, thank you so much for what you've brought me through this week. Um, and it just repeats 52 times. So that's my process. That's how I processed the, the year of my uh, wife's passing. Um, and then more recently, uh, a friend of mine who who lost his wife to cancer in 2021 uh, very public story. He he has a publishing company. He said, Hey man, I think you got something there. <laughs> so he's, he's taking it to print and uh, we're in the midst of the presale right now that runs through October 2nd. Uh, it was very purposeful because again, that was the day that Nick was diagnosed. So that's, that's us. That's me. That's my family trying to redeem that day. We'll always have the sting of that day, but it's also saying, Hey, that's when her book goes to print. And that's when, that's when we're going to put it out. So it'll go to print, um, based on the demand signal for the book. And, uh, it'll deliver by early December so that people can have it in their stockings <laughs> for Christmas and start it on January 1st. So pretty excited about it. Never in a million years thought I was going to write a book, but also never thought I'd be a sleeved widowed pastor of, of three kids. <laughs> <laughs> and so kind of sort of how things work out. Oh,
0: uh, that's how they work out, man. God, God has a different plan. God Dude, has a bigger ha- plan. How awesome. I can't wait to get my copy. I can't wait to get my copy. And, and, you know, I, I can't imagine a devotional more in line with, uh, Stuart, and my mission as a kinetic man to like yeah, <laughs> dude. go through, to reflect, you know, we do this real paradigm to reflect. Uh, and then we, we, we execute, we hold each other accountable and then we live it. And like you're, you're the, that, the process for that. I just love, you know, reflect. And then, Hey dude, like, what are you gonna do about it? Make a plan, execute, giddy up, do it every day, you know, every, every week throughout the year and, and make something different, man. I, I love it. Can't wait. Hey man, I just want to encourage you, uh, you and your family. You know, we say this and, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart, from not only from the pulpit, right? Like you you're in a blessed position to speak into people's lives uh from a, voc- a vocation standpoint. But man, this book and and the story and the podcast, the podcast is there for perpetuity now, right? It, it is there forever. And you have no idea, just absolutely zero idea how many people's lives are going to be touched, how many people go to heaven because of the story that you are willing to share and the the realness that you are willing to 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 not only experience but to put out and to, and it gives hope man it gives hope when people can see somebody they love and respect suffering and suffering with grace and sometimes it's not graceful man sometimes it's not graceful and that is okay too and and there's humor in it and there's laughter, and there's love, and there's joy, and there's pain, and there's sorrow, there's crying, and all these things are okay, because it all is our experience as humans, who live under this, this this in this beautiful thing, that God created, and and we just have to be able to draw from it. Mm-hmm. And and dude, I, I love that you guys did that, man. So thank you so much. Uh, it, it is uh, truly inspiring. and It's humbling, and and I'll tell you, man, it is. Um, I'm excited for the people. Through your story, they get to know this amazing, beautiful God that we love and serve.
1: Thank you, buddy. Appreciate that. I do. Dave, we'll uh, we'll put the uh, the link to your book in the show notes, um, and uh, I've already got mine on order, so I'm I'm excited about it, dude. I, uh, you know everything that David said and, and more. I, I, I love you. I'm proud of you, um, and uh, yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on. This is this has been an amazing episode. Uh, I can't wait for our listeners to hear it. Um,
0: Appreciate
1: yeah. you. Guys and gals. And I'll go get the book. And uh David,
0: were you gonna say something? Yeah, I was gonna say and I'm not gonna be remiss to do this, but I Maya, Jacob, Noah, your daddy loves you so, so much. Collins and so Wells, much. love
1: you too. See ya. See ya. Man, we have exciting news. We're opening up the next house of the Kinetic Man Mastermind. I tell you, it's the most important hour of the week that I that I go to, that I attend. I change Every single week for the better to become the best husband, the best father, the best friend, and the best leader in our community. This is a time that you can choose to make a major impact in your life. Go to to thekineticman.com and sign up. It's an application. It is exclusive. We are looking for the right man to take action and join us to be the hero of their journey. Come join us, thekineticman.com.
0: Do it. Thank you for listening to the connect man podcast. If you are growth minded, community focused and willing to take uncommon action to redefine success and live an abundant life, visit our website at www.thekineticman.com to see all the ways we could connect.
1: And On our website, you can find more information on everything we're doing, like joining our meetup page to get the details on our webinars and our local Thursday gatherings here in Colorado. From our site, you can also find more information on and sign up for the next kinetic man retreat. And the next house of our mastermind group. Finally, we always appreciate your love and support. Please share this episode and go rate us on your favorite podcast player of choice. Thank you again. Now go take a common action.